0: has an affinity for brothers who survived adversity came through with a spine made of steel you know the kind the brothers for real some would call him a thug
1: but he's the one she loves to hug but I call it the Malcolm X Factor that Malcolm X Factor in my man that is a factor, you know. That thing in a man, a black man and a well man, a panther man, my
2: man
0: She loved
1: to
2: her the
0: In the boardroom, Trojan horse in a Brooks Brothers suit. He needs no gun, signs of black and white, and walks out with all the boots. Laughing on the elevator on the way down. Wondering do they know the bearing gifts make a whole
1: different sound.
3: That
1: Malcolm X Factor, you know. That thing in a man that can make him have the heart. The nerve, the courage to go from pimping to concern for human rights, from a love of diamonds to laying pipes in the middle of an African village.
2: She loved to her.
4: Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Ticks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we're listening to Mama C in Tanzania, Zanzibar, and she's doing one of her poems. We're going to finish listening to it, um, Hug a Thug or The Malcolm X Factor. on
2: the same page
3: and
1: plus for him.
2: Down. Yeah, sure, yeah,
1: that love of diamonds and pretty things and long silk socks might still be there, but hey, not as a gold, just as a sure enough honest appreciation. And that love of service and commitment ain't going nowhere either.
2: From rustling
1: up food for Kansas City school children to serving as a bedrock example of tenacity and imagination to African youth.
0: She loves. To her, but
2: she loved. To she loved. She loved. To her, but she loved. She loves. She to her, but she, loved she loved.
0: The prerequisite is to neither be handsome or cute. Just be conscious of your cosmic mission. Mentally agile Intuitively astute Remember what Pop told Kodata When death was coming round Can I go? Nah, no, stay here baby Something's up I feel something's going down Like a dog smelling a bitch in heat When trouble in the air Gently pulls her Out of her nirvana dream Because sometimes Femininity to be totally unaware
1: and that malcolm x legacy persists in a kind of lane on of hands and spirit and politically correct love hands that malcolm might have had for betty betty shabbat but i can't confess to knowing about that that Malcolm X factor in my man It's more than evidence in my man My husband, my love, my comrade MJ Peter, Felix, Pete, O'Neill. Oh,
2: my She loves She
4: Ah, Mama C from Tanzania, Zanzibar, singing a song to her beloved comrade, um, Say Pete O'Neill in exile there, um, co-founder or founder of the uh, Kansas City Black Panther Party. Um, Yeah. Um, We are going to be speaking about uh, the family of Oscar Grant and the community um, reopening the case. Uh, And uh, on the air we have um, C. Fitz Johnson, Uncle Bobby. Uh, We have Attorney Walter Riley um, we have Elaine Brown, activist, and we also have Oscar Grant's mother, um, uh, Ms. Wanda Johnson. So welcome to everyone. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about um, this reopening of the case and to talk about lift up the name of Oscar Grant and just bring our audience up to speed on what's going on presently. So again, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Uh, thank you for having us.
4: Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for the phone call, Uncle Bobby. So I know on October fifth there was a press conference and um I got the press release and um and so um so now you know we're gonna sort of talk about sort of what's going on presently and how people can uh, you know, sort of bring some energy around this so that um, so that this other officer who never was charged gets charged, if I'm understanding correctly. Um the reason for reopening the case. So, um, yeah, why don't you um, introduce the panel, and, um, yeah, then we can start.
5: Uh, sure, Wanda, thank you. 1st uh, uh introduce, you know, uh, my sister, Oscar Grant's mm-hmm. mother, Wanda. Uh, Reverend Wanda Johnson is America's voice of compassion and hope for individuals having lost her son and beloved ones due to violence. Her heartbreaking story made worldwide news January 1, 2009, when her unarmed son, Oscar Grant III, was shot and killed by local transit police officer Johannes Mesley. Since then, her mission has been to work tirelessly to undo the negative stereotyping of at risk youth, to comfort grieving families, and to improve policy and procedures in the criminal justice system. Um, that's my sister, Wanda. Next, I'll move to uh, our sister, great activist, uh, Sister Elaine Brown, who is the only female to ever chair the Black Panthers Party, Uh, one of um, a tremendous voice here in the Bay Area, not just the Bay Area, but around this country, who is very vocal about the issues concerning social justice, especially the criminal justice system. And then, of course, I'll move to our brother, uh, our great civil rights attorney, Walter Riley, um, a, a, a gentleman that I've come to know through the struggle of my nephew, Oscar, being murdered, who has really represented the voice of the African to the issues of the injustice that happens to people, specifically here in Oakland, but, of course, across this country, a great civil rights attorney that understands the struggle. And then, of course, myself, uh, finally, as uh, affectionately known to the community as Uncle Bobby, and I'm the uncle of Oscar Grant. Of course, Wanda is my baby sister, and yet I've also have become um, sister murder of my nephew, a advocate for uh, police accountability and transparency. So that is our panelists, and if 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 I could, um, Wanda, I'd like to say um, I think Elaine can lay the ground of you know how things started and where we at today, and then we can bring in Walter Riley and of course Wanda.
4: Certainly, certainly. And then, Uncle Bobby, I was wondering, did you want to say anything about about your organization, Love Not Blood, or anything like that about about yourself? Oh, I think you're an well, engineer sure. yeah, or sure. something like that, too. Um.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I can. I, um, Of course, okay. we're the uh, founders of uh, myself and my wife, co-founder of the Love Not Blood campaign, which is an organization that deals with families that's been impacted by police violence. Of course, we bring a, a, a holistic process of um, you know you know working with them in the struggle of um, finding peace in their heart and turning their pain to purpose, um, ensuring that they understand the difference between the criminal and the civil litigational process, um, working with them to uh, understand the process of even advocating and articulating their story concerning the murder of their loved one, um, you know, and, you know, pretty much embracing the families that God has allowed us to uh, around this world um, to help find some form of balance to move forward and seeking that justice.
4: Thank you. So, Sister Elaine?
6: Yeah, um, I think the important thing is to stay focused. Uh, the Oscar Grant was killed. Um, Nearly 12 years ago, now in 2009, and um, everyone has known that a, the second, there was another Bart cop, Bart being the Bay Area Rapid Transit um, company, um, that uh, pinned Oscar down, held him down, and while the other man, while the other cop shot him, the other cop was Me- uh, Johannes Meserly who, while he was prosecuted, ended up being uh, doing very little amount of time and uh, was prosecuted for involuntary uh, manslaughter, I was uh, rather convicted for that. And that was in 20 th- 2009 and ten. Recently, um, there was, um, you know, there's been a surge among some of us who are doing uh, work in this area, among other areas, uh, to try to reopen the cases of uh, people, uh, black people who have been killed by the police where there's been no uh, prosecution. And that would be true across the country. All of the uh, marches for Black Lives Matter, for Breonna Taylor, for Michael Brown, for uh, all of the other murder, uh, murders of black people, m- people murdered by the police, uh, uh, which as you know, the Black Panther Party always uh, talked about that was one of our main goals is to stop these murders and so forth. And that remains a goal uh, to stop the police murders. But we haven't even been able to find justice in any of these cases, very, very. Uh, we can hardly name a case where there's been a cop arrested for the murder of a black person. So here in the Bay Area, uh, we got together with, um, with Cephas uh, Johnson and Reverend Johnson and others of us and talked about reopening the case against uh, Anthony Peroni, Perone, who was the second cop who had his knee on Oscar's neck, a la the same thing happening to George Floyd, so forth and so on, and held Oscar down while measurably shot him. Uh, in any other circumstance, any ordinary citizens would have been charged with murder. Period. Uh, nobody charged uh, uh, Pironi with anything, and so we were able to uh, make that make that charge. But part of the reason uh, our charge is important, and this charge, and this is a community event. This is not just some narrow Oscar Grant family. This family has been through hell, but we recognize that this is a hell that all of us are experiencing because we're teaching our sons now not to say talk back to the police and. We're afraid that somebody black, a black male, or a black person will go out and be killed on the street for any arbitrary reason. So There's a psychological ramifications of uh, trauma throughout the country. So what we found is there's a, a law firm named Myers-Navi, and I'll be very brief now, um, here in Oakland um, that was hired by the BART board and the general counsel to inv- and do an independent investigation of the Circumstances of Oscar's death And among the many things That the Myers-Navi report came up with It showed that Oscar uh, That um, Peroni had uh, Bashed Oscar's head in uh, Punched him in the face locked, Pushed him down onto the ground And done terrible uh, things who, Oscar who did not resist And was unarmed And was arbitrarily uh, picked off the train By Peroni and slammed down Ultimately onto the uh, to the platform where uh, Peroni called over uh, Mesoli and Mesoli fired his weapon into Oscar's back. Um, what we realize is that Peroni should be charged with felony murder. And we have talked to the district attorney who, as you mentioned, this October 5 um, October 5 uh, press conference uh, interrupted our press conference with this instant tweet saying she was going to reopen the case, she has not reopened the case, and she has talked about there being a statute of limitations on the felonies that Peroni committed in leading up to Oscar's a murder, a death rather. So what we are showing, and will show, and certainly Walter Riley can speak to this as as others, um, is that Tony Peroni is responsible uh, for the death of Oscar in what is called a felony murder, either. Uh, under the law at the time or under the law that changed the law today, which is not very much of a change, but it only goes to some other issues, and certainly Walter can speak about that. So the charge, and it's important, because if we are able to push this agenda, and we are pushing it, um, and, and Peroni, that the district attorney says they now know where he is, somewhere in the Long Beach area, if Peroni is properly arrested and charged and convicted, this will be a victory for all these families that Uh, Uncle Bobby is talking about and the black community to show that when we do our own work and our own homework We can bring these people to justice. So finally, I'll say this our coalition has uh, Adopted a phrase that we are now going to be hunting these cops down. We're not going to just be crying We're not going to be holding hands and singing. we are going to be hunting these cops down and bringing them to justice Uh,
4: That's excellent. Thank you Um... Uh, Sister Elaine, Um, I was just uh, noting in the uh, press release, um, Alameda County Supervisor Keith Carson called the murder of Oscar Grant an execution. So, you know, those really strong words because, you know, that's exactly what happened. And so, yeah, really, really uh, happy that, you know, we are, um, you know, bringing this to light and reopening the case. Um, Was, uh, uh... Walter, where
6: are you going next? I'm not sure Walter Riley heard you. Walter, are you on?
7: Yes, I'm on. Can you hear me yeah. now? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I echo everything that um, Elaine Brown has said, and, of course, The most important aspect of this is that we want to let everyone know that there is no statute of limitations. So there's confusion sometimes about this, whether or not uh, uh, Peroni can be charged for murder. And we have looked at the case. We have looked at the evidence we have here, uh, the evidence that was before the district attorney um, back in 2009 at the time, at uh, right after Oscar Grant was murdered, that uh, Tony Peroni was the first police officer on the platform. He was crazed in his conduct, and he, according to the report itself, uh, let the chaos and uh, confusion on the platform that resulted in the death of Oscar Grant. So we want to... Uh, just in short, to be sure that there is no excuse for not charging Tony Peroni. That's our message at this point.
6: Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should bring in Reverend Wanda Johnson, Oscar's mother.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Ms. Johnson. Yes. Uh, Reverend Johnson. Maybe you could talk about sort of how you how you are presently. Um, I mean, it's been, um, wow, 13 years? January
8: will be 12 years. 12 years. First, I want to, yeah, thank you for uh, having me on today. You know, um, as a mother, you never expect to bury your child. Um, you expect your child to bury you. And never did I think that my son would be killed, let alone killed by somebody who is hired to protect and serve. And from the first step that the officer took, um, Peroni took on that platform, um, from what I saw and what I read, His mindset was to do bodily harm to somebody, and that just happened to be my son. From him getting on the platform, already having his taser out, already using profanity, and then turning around and taking all that out on my son because my son saw his friend being unjustly, Brutalized by this officer And then my son Being hit by him And kicked by him Is just A wound that Has been reopened That never closed But has been Opened wide again To even have to think about Going through Such a horrific Horrendous process You know Oscar did not deserve to be killed, and for sure, the officer, uh, Peroni, who instigated the whole thing, deserves to be put in jail and the key to be thrown away. This officer showed no training, no self-control, but yet he's still allowed to walk around in our communities. doing whatever he chooses to do while Oscar is no longer with me, no longer with his daughter, not able to see his daughter grow up, not able to see his daughter married. And this officer is walking around or ex-officer is walking around uh, probably as if nothing ever happened. And I believe in my heart that he deserves to be charged and brought to justice, and no favoritism because of him being an officer, which we know our judicial system has favoritism towards officers. And we're asking, I'm demanding that he be charged and that there be no um, special treatment because of his past history. Thank you. hmm
7: Mm-hmm. That's, uh, this is Walter Riley. The thing that uh, we are involved with now is a reawakening in uh, activist communities and black communities and uh, with uh, our relationship to police. Um, we've certainly always been aware of the need to change the way police relates to our community. But the, this uh, year we have mobilized with many other people uh, around the world, as a result of the horrible uh, vision that we saw with the murder of George Floyd, what happened on the platform at Park here is uh, the same kind of uh, intense attack by the community, by the police, on our community, our, their sense of who we are, and whether or not they believe Black Lives Matter. Um, to the police department and to the cities that have operated these police departments, black lives have not mattered in our entire history here in the way that we think is necessary. So as an attorney, I want to participate with the family and the community organization yes. that Elaine is playing a major role in, of, of revisiting these these cases uh, across the country, particularly right here in the Bay Area where we are. We know that there's been mm-hmm. a an, uh, review of cases in San Francisco we knew that, that the DA in Los Angeles is reviewing some cases we've seen this happening in some other places as we begin to uh, reimagine what a police department can be uh, what is public safety is the most important question and when the BART police Tony Peroni excited everybody on the platform by calling Oscar Grant various names by uh, calling other people on the platform uh, uh, outrageous and racist names uh, and uh, attacking Oscar Grant and and the other person also on the platform. Uh, He excited everybody. He particularly excited the uh, other police officers. And the Perot uh, report says that the development of the hostile and volatile atmosphere uh, and the course of this uh, event is in due to Tony Peroni. Uh, He was the most responsible for the chaotic and tense situation on the platform, setting the stage, even if he didn't intend to do it, uh, according to uh, the statement, but setting the stage for the shooting of Oscar Grant. His felony attack on Oscar Grant, um, several attacks on Oscar Grant, uh, uh, were witnessed by other police officers that, of course, led to their excitement, their, uh, their, uh, uh, the violent atmosphere that they all engaged in. And when Tony Peroni took Oscar Grant to the ground, uh, having already injured his brain uh, several times, injuries according to the report, uh, exacerbated the injury by falling with Tony Peroni's full weight on top of Oscar Grant on his head, neck, and shoulders, and um, picking him up and and dropping him to the ground again. He uh, was on Oscar Grant with such weight and force that Oscar Grant's hands were trapped under him, so that when Messerley, the officer who shot Oscar Grant, was uh, attempting to handcuff Oscar Grant, Oscar Grant could not deliver his hands to the officers for handcuffing because Tony Peroni was on his back. Now, this is the report. This is this is the, uh, the understanding of the way police officers are engaged in their arrest, how they do the arrest, the mechanisms for arrest, or mechanisms for bringing hands to the back. And when Oscar Grant's hands were brought to the back with his face down on the ground, Messerly rose up. For the second time, he reached for his gun, and the second time, he grabbed the gun and shot him. And immediately afterwards, he said to other officers, I thought he had a gun. I thought he was going for a gun. And only later, after they developed their their story, after they developed their defense, with the help of uh, T- Tony Peroni, other police officers, the block and the police force in general, did measurely say that he was reaching for his taser, and that's his uh, cover story that is made up, uh, fabricated totally, after he, already immediately after the shooting said, I thought he was reaching for a gun. There was no gun, and there was no ability for him to reach for a gun. He was just so uh, intensely engaged in violence that measly shot Oscar Grant with the help of Tony Peroni. And the felonies of the attack, physical attacks on Oscar Grant are the felonies that would participate, uh, that allow us to determine that he participated in the felonious attacks and is the basis for felony murder in this case. Uh, The uh, law in 2000. uh, 9, 2010 up until uh, the recent law was that um, if you are engaged in felonious conduct and if you are engaged in the participation in the acts that lead to a a murder, whether you are the person who pulls the trigger or someone with you pulls the trigger, you are guilty of felony murder. These charges have been leveled against black people all across this country for ages. In the same manner and with the same kind of analysis, there is no reason that this can't be used against Tony Peroni. Um, mm-hmm. Even under the new law, um, which he attempts to yeah. find some concern about the attitudes of the police officer, if the police officer is engaged as a major participant in a felony and acts with restless, reckless indifference to human life, he is guilty of felony murder. Everything that Tony Peroni did demonstrates that he was uh, a major participant. He was a lead officer there. And he acted with total reckless indifference to human life, to the life of Oscar Grant, and others on the platform also. But in particular, in this case, it's Oscar Grant, who was killed. We want that reckoning to uh, come to be uh, the basis of the police, the basis of the, uh, of the district attorney, uh, arresting Tony Peroni and charging him with felony murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wonder I was wondering.
5: Uh,
4: oh, yeah, I had a yeah, question.
5: Uncle Bobby. Um, oh, uh, yeah, no, I was ask, just going
4: to. Um, can I ask the question first? question yeah, oh, first, yeah, or, or you hear. want to add to that? Yeah,
5: well,
8: okay. yeah. Okay. No, go um, ahead. I was just wondering. Okay,
4: sure. I was just wondering, um, uh, Mr. O'Re- Mr. Riley or Walter, um, with regards to um, the, uh, this charge, was it, was it um, leveled initially or was just um, a charged and um, Peroni not charged at all? And if so, how did he get away with not being charged well, since he was the lead officer? Hmm? Well, that's that is something, that's that's something that, that Uncle, Uncle Bobby that I is much add.
7: more intimate yeah. with, the yeah. knowledge re- regarding this. Uh, I was yeah. uh, an, an, an activist not in the center of the work at that time, but I, I will follow up with Uncle Bobby if uh, he can explain the details of what yeah. happened with the DA.
5: Yeah, thank, thank you, Walter. Um, and that's what I was going to say, because the listeners are probably listening wondering just that very question, why wasn't he charged then? Um, you know, as Walter stated, of course, the murder happened on January 1st, 2009 in Oakland, California. And for the listeners that may not remember or know the story of Oscar Grant, there was a movie also produced called Fruitville Station that Ryan Krugler, the director of Black Panthers, uh, created, brought to the big screen. Um, and it really laid out pretty much 98% of accuracy of what happened on that platform. But, um, you know, during the trial, the, the part that Walter talked about on the platform was basically the murder. Um, the resurrection, I call it, is basically during the movement part, but also during the trial. It was during the trial that David Stein, the district attorney that was representing the family charging Johannes Mesley for second degree murder, stated to the family that we actually had Tony Peroni as a witness to the murder of Oscar Grant. And that strategically, they felt that they will not bring charges against Tony Peroni at this moment in time because he was state evidence. But that backfired. Uh, Tony Peroni became a hostile witness. And he never admitted that, basically, um, Johannes Mesley stated, even though it's recorded and recorded, that he thought he was going for a gun. He actually tried to cover up that lie. So since it backfired, David Stein stated to the family that we would have to get Tony Peroni with charges of murder after we finished his trial with Johannes Mesley. As the trial concluded and ended, we immediately went to see District Attorney Head Nancy O'Malley um, concerning the charges that should be applied to Tony Peroni for the murder of Oscar Grant. And, of course, um, Nancy O'Malley stated to us at that time, because the trial was down in Los Angeles, that going back and forth to Los Angeles and the cost of this trial put Alameda County in a point to where uh, they didn't have the money to proceed charges against Tony Peroni at this time. So that was basically 11 years ago, you know, and here we are. uh, It was brought up lightly during the time period right before 2014, but Tony Peroni left the country. He went into the military. He was fired by BART, but he uh, decided to go across the earth. uh, I believe it was to Afghanistan or somewhere where he was basically um, brutalizing folks over there, if not murdering them. I'm sure he was murdering them. But anyhow, um, you know, it was from that point that Tony Peroni became a missing, uh, or put it this way, he escaped the charges. But, our, of course, our sister Elaine Brown never let us forgot that Tony Peroni, who was the, the corporate on that platform, uh, shouldn't be charged. And if I can, I just want to kind of give a lay of the ground, you know, on, on January 1st, you know, on that platform. Tony Peroni punched Oscar, used racial epithets on Oscar, which really came down to a hate crime, uh, a need Oscar. He lied in the investigative reports. Uh, he When he took his picture that night, he was smiling as if the murder was a funny thing. Uh, he was... Uh, A very sick, violent person. The commuters on that train utilized their cell phones because they saw this raid officer acting the way that he was, that's Tony Peroni. and recorded it. And it was the first time that technology and the cell phones were used in the way that it was used, and social media was used in the way that it was used to share with the world how heinous A police officer can act in the fashion that Tony Peroni was acting. And so it really got over a million views within the first week. But it was really the Oakland community that embraced the family, that saw that video, that prayed for us, went back and forth. But most importantly, shouted, I am Oscar Grant. And it was that movement that developed here in the Bay Area that was able to get, for the first time in California state history, an officer, that is, Johannes Mesley arrested, charged, convicted, and sent to jail. Now, he only did 11 months, so we never counted that as a victory. It was just historical. But the officer that created that chaos, the reason why Oscar was murdered today was never charged. And we're here today saying that he should be charged for felony murder. There's no way that an officer should be walking these streets and possibly working for another policing agency That conducted himself in the way that he did in murdering Oscar today. And I just wanted to lay that there. Um, And Wanda, I think Minister Sabur might have come on and he can speak directly to the Mm -hmm. movements that occurred after the murder of Oscar Grant.
4: Yeah. Is he on? I just turn on someone's mic. Yes, we can.
9: Thank you. Uh, first, uh, greetings to all that are listening. And as Uncle Bobby was speaking, it led me to reflect on the fact the importance of black journalists as we are unpacking the clear injustice against Oscar Grant that included the deeds of Tony Peroni. While we were in the preliminary hearing, in Alameda County Courthouse, it was revealed at that time that not only did Tony Peroni instigate the incident, but in addition to brutalizing Oscar, he was the one that hurled racial epithets at Oscar that didn't come up much in court in Los Angeles. Tony Peroni, seconds before Oscar was slain, in addition to kicking him in the face and putting his knee on the back of his neck that could have cost his life in that part. Tony Peroni called Oscar, pardon my language, but a bitch-ass nigga, two, three times. And this is just seconds before Oscar was slain. Tony Peroni was the head of a lynch mob. Mesaley brought the rope. But as the trial unfolded, I mentioned black journalists. That came out in testimony remained a media secret for weeks before one, I think, someone from the San Francisco Chronicle finally published what Peroni said. Now, mind you, Sister Wanda. there was a daily press conference after every hearing. Now, I often did not speak in those press conferences. I just stood on support while Attorney Burris would address the conference. After the media members watched Tony Peroni on video, first deny and then admit when the videotape was placed before him his language with Oscar Grant, well, the media didn't cover it. They had a press conference. They didn't raise a question. It was their clear intention that they weren't going to give the world the full weight of what occurred with Oscar Grant. Now, we were pitched strongly. To ensure that Mr. Messerly was convicted and unfortunately in our drive we may have let Mr. Peroni off the hook however we're not the prosecutors Alameda County is the prosecution it was not our job to prosecute Tony Peroni that was the job of the Alameda County District Attorney and of course when charges are brought The victims are represented by the state So it will say state Versus Johannes Nesli. And it should say state Versus Anthony Peroni We're here now As we were then To drive the state Which has been responsible For much of our oppression But to drive that very state To represent Justice for black people The question becomes are those representatives of the state willing participants in the drive toward justice. So we ask Ms. O'Malley to represent the drive toward justice, not to represent a criminal justice system, which is often criminal toward the poor and the black, but to represent justice to the fullest extent. Oscar Grant's family deserves justice. Nothing more
6: nothing less yeah i want to mention something of, of sister wanda speaking of wanda sabir um that um has given great impetus to this current movement is there was a release of a document as i mentioned earlier from a law firm named Myers nave this law firm was hired by bart board board council general counsel to investigate to do an independent investigation it completed its investigation in july of 20, 2009 but nobody saw it until recently and it is that investigative report that gives us this these details that were hidden all these years we knew that uh peroni was certainly a a uh, co-conspirator and a and a and a uh, partner in a in a murder with that uh, Mesley was charged with and he should have been charged. But now we have this evidence. So one of the things that I think we can do in this moment with your listeners and you is to first recognize that we need to get the underlying documents of the Myers Navi report. We have asked for them and they have not been given to us. But who has the power To release those documents is the BART board. And we are going to, and we are appealing to the BART board, intend to meet to make that demand that the underlying documents of the report that they had, that nobody else had certain information about, in other words, autopsy reports that they had, (coughs) pardon me, photographs, recordings, interviews with Peroni, um, they spend approximately 10 pages explaining uh, all the. brutal, and violent acts of Tony Peroni against Oscar. We want those documents because we want to show District Attorney O'Malley, who has been hesitant, as a matter of fact, has not said that she would charge uh, Peroni with felony murder, that there is a felony murder. And I would say that we would ask encourage people to call the District Attorney's Office and join the demand that Peroni be arrested and charged with felony murder. And just for the sake of your broadcast, uh, the general number for the Alameda County uh, District Attorney's Office is 510-272-6222. And I don't know what you'll get when you call there, certainly not directly to O'Malley, but we need people to say, look, charge Peroni with felony murder. Stop playing around. We don't want to wait till after Christmas for you to – have another conversation. We want Toroni charged now. It has been 11 years. You know where he is. Go get him, charge him, arrest him, and bring him to justice. If Wanda uh, Johnson and Cephas Johnson and the family of Oscar Grant will ever have any start to having peace, then they need to have this case uh, brought to justice so it can be uh the real healing that can begin. So I, I urge people to understand that the Bart Board can release these documents and we want that to happen and we want that we want to present that to O'Malley's office so there'll be no excuse for why you don't think felony murder is the correct charge.
4: Right. Um I was um <clears throat> I was wondering if um um Mr uh, Walter Riley, um, and, and even you, um, uh, sister Elaine Brown, could maybe draw some parallels between uh, you know, both of you all are, are civil rights uh movement veterans as well, and and draw some parallels between the um the public lynching that happened with Oscar Grant and not to mention um, you know, the the brutality that you know Oscar's friends also suffered on that platform. They weren't killed, but they they also suffered, and then they were right there and they witnessed you know the killing of their friend and not to mention all the people on bar i mean it was a a public spectacle uh that you know traumatized a lot of people, and then those of us who witnessed it afterward um afterwards you know. You know we still we still feel it, and I can't even imagine you know what you feel um reverend johnson and and you uncle Bobby, um as you know like that was your blood, you know you know that was slain, you know and spilled on that platform. so I wonder if we could talk a little bit about you know the his the the history repeating itself. I mean, I hadn't even known that um that Peroni had his you know knee on on Oscar's you know neck and fracture the bones in his face and call them names you know it's just it's just a replaying of the same kind of behavior over and over again
7: walter here i I think that it's important for the public to be aware that that conduct the actions of uh, Tony Peroni. Are, are the actions that we have dealt with so often in cases of police murder, but it's the actions, uh, even where the police had not murdered someone, that has to be considered here also. Tony Peroni's conduct, his ability to 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 get away with that conduct, encourages police conduct of this kind uh, across the country. Um, He's not the only one that's done it, and one of the reasons he uh, he was able to think that he could act this way is because police had not been sanctioned for their conduct before. Uh, when Tony Peroni is not sanctioned for it, it says to the police departments across the country that it's okay to do that. They can come up with an excuse for it. Uh, if someone dies or someone is terribly injured as a result of the conduct, uh, they can blame the uh, the individual most often is what they try to do, or they might blame the uh, in a particular officer that created the immediate harm. In this case, Tony Peroni set the stage for this conduct, and when police officers do this and allow to get away with it, it harms our community. It harms our sense of our ability to uh, obtain justice, our sense of uh, our ability to tame. Uh, obtain a sense of respect for us as people. Um, uh, The term Black Lives Matter, as all of us on this call know, results from all the the hundreds of years of uh, misconduct, abuse of our communities. The times when uh, our people needed to have medical attention and didn't get it, and the state, uh, the hospitals, the medical system did not deliver. The times that people needed Uh, family uh, support and uh, did not get it because they are black. The times that we needed uh, economic support in our communities in the south and the north and in the concentrated areas of uh, residents that we have been involved in, uh, we haven't gotten clean up. We haven't gotten often the kind of electricity or the housing, by and large, that, that, that would be adequate, fit for housing. Uh, one of the uh, platforms of the Black Panther Party, but also a platform of the United Nations of international sense of human dignity and rights have not been afforded to us. And it's because we are black. And when the term uh, Black Lives Matter uh, was uh, initially being raised in the manner that it was raised be- somewhat because of our Bills the yeah, electronic media, it resonated with me. It resonated with me uh, in, in my uh, senior years as yes, It's time for us to concentrate on that and make that uh, a part of our own community, not for somebody else, but to say in our own community we have a right for our lives to matter and we have a right to demand our society uh, is organized in a such a way that our lives matter. And when people are killed, and when people are killed by the state, the police departments, we have to hold them accountable. We can't allow them to deflect and claim that there are other problems uh, to uh, Talk about our own uh, uh, conditions in, in, in our in our yards or something don't have to talk about our housing situations and blame us for it. No, we live in a society where the state has a responsibility to its citizens. We pay taxes, we do the work, and we get the hard labor of making this economic society viable. We want our lives to matter and in this case, uh, had it been any other group, certainly, uh, the police department would have taken some account of the conduct of Tony Peroni. The district attorney at that time, Olaf would have taken more account of Tony Peroni. And proposing to make a deal with Tony Peroni for him to testify, um, to turn state's evidence to be a witness against another cop, was a ridiculous plan to start with. They had the evidence against Mesley. And there was no reason for them to believe that Tony Peroni... Uh, no real reason to believe that Tony Perona was going to be helpful in that. His testimony uh, could have been uh, elicited based upon the platform, based upon the, based upon the record itself, based upon the, uh, the Miles Niver report. Uh, Miles Niver is uh, a firm that has represented police departments and cities and government entities for some time. Uh, they are often biased towards uh, giving support for an entity. And I would say, I'm going to say it here that the Night report uh, is lacking in uh, respect for the black community and the black witnesses in this in this case, um, and they are biased, they have always been biased towards their clients, uh, and with their bias leadings, they were not able to exonerate Tony Peroni because the evidence was there. It was there for them who would have done everything that was possible to exonerate Tony Peroni, and they didn't, they couldn't. Um, the DA's office could have charged Tony Peroni with murder at a time and did not need him to be a uh, a state's witness. And that's that's my analysis of it, but they made that determination at that time. They could have charged him immediately afterwards when he refused to uh, to cooperate when he made it very clear he was not going to abide by the terms of whatever agreement they had. Um, but they were looking for an excuse not to charge Tony Peroni or any other police officer. None of the police officers were charged with abuse, and they were all engaged in some abuse or another. And that department, Tony Peroni, abused another person before he came over and grabbed Oscar Grant a second time. And the time that he uh, came to uh, Oscar Grant, the second time he came to Oscar Grant, uh, the first time he had already banged his head against the wall, uh, back head against the wall, causing brain injury, uh, hit him in the face, causing upper lobe uh, injury, uh, uh, did a running kick, causing t- continuous injury. The second time he came, he took Oscar Grant to the ground, slammed him to the ground and with the head and body hitting the concrete and not more injury to uh, Oscar Grant's being, Falling on him with his full weight, creating uh, more injury to Oscar Grant. But from the, the time that he lapsed, it's, it's important as I see it, from the time that he came to Oscar Grant the second time, assaulted, uh, felonious assault taking him to the ground, and the time that Oscar Grant was shot is 67 seconds. That's all on tape. All of that is is uh, is uh, available to the DA at the present time. Was available to the DA at that time, and all the additional interviews uh, shows that Tony Peroni was out of out of sorts. Um, we need Tony Peroni charged in order to say to the world that officers who participate in and stand by and allow this kinds of conduct are also uh, guilty of murder. Tony Peroni needs to be charged as a principal. Uh, Uh, for for his participation in the Murder of Oscar Grant so that we are able to say we are making some steps forward. Our community mobilized before to get Mesley charged. We have mobilized to try and get other people charged. We need to be mobilizing right now in large numbers to see that Tony Peroni is brought to justice in this case. And our message, again, that this is a part of our continuing struggle for our lives to matter. Black lives have to matter. Tony Peroni has to be brought to justice.
6: Hmm. Yes. Well, I'm happy to join, to say something, but I also, before we, because it's getting to be the end of your program, I suppose, I would certainly want to see uh, Assistant Wanda Johnson say something. But I want to say that, you know, the question of Black Lives Matter is, you know, is a good, you know, slogan for today but uh, we, since 1865, the police have been always there for, uh, to brutalize us and arrest us. We were re-enslaved under the Black Code. Um, and it goes on historically as to what policing has always been about. But I think people should know. Uh, so I don't see the police as uh, being concerned with black lives. I think that we have to be addressed in the same uh, with an understanding that we have to stand up for um, – black lives have to matter to us, so we have to stand up and stop sitting down and allowing and saying nothing. I mean, it was wonderful. We're glad that people filmed the murder of Oscar Zampa. but really you filmed a murder. You filmed the murder of George Floyd. And I think we have to do something more than pick up our cell phones and film the murder of our people. Uh, so that's just my philosophical uh, you know, spin on that issue. But I do think that we want people to understand that this man is guilty of felony murder. The Myers-Navi firm has to release these things to us. And then we need to use this opportunity so that we can lay the pattern as the original movement from uh, Oscar Grant, for justice for Oscar Grant did, and spark the entire country to stop just sitting down, hoping that these people are going to do the right thing and taking an active role in pushing them to do the right thing. And the most uh, nonviolent thing we can do at this point is to push for Tony Peroni, excuse me, uh, to be charged with murder. There is no surprise. Racism in America, I mean, what, this is a surprise? When did this become a surprise? Uh, We we spent 250 years as uh, enslaved in this country and building up the economy and all the things that we already know. So there's no surprise in in the oppression of black people, that has been going on since he came. we were dragged, keeping and screaming from the continent. We have been oppressed. We have never been free in America. So uh, that has to be you know, looked at. We can't be soft-peddling this. Ferroni uh, is a murderer, and the mechanism that we have to deal with him, a uh, nonviolent mechanism, is to go and get the district attorney to charge him as he, she would charge any ordinary black person, especially, With felony murder, I really hope that we can get Reverend uh, Wanda Johnson, Oscar's mother, to say something before we uh, close this um, panel discussion. Thank you very much.
4: Mm, Certainly, and uh, I have a question for you, um, uh, Reverend Johnson. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe uh, tell us how how your granddaughter is doing and. and if anyone on the panel knows, how, how are Oscar's friends doing? Because I know they were really impacted by seeing their friend killed or shot and then killed.
6: Reverend Johnson? Maybe she she's on mute. And she often, she'll, she'll come back, I think, in a minute. If not, uh, maybe Minister Sibur Muhammad can speak to that question if you want. But I think we have to stay focused on the prosecution of Peroni right now.
9: In answer to how her friends uh, doing, of course, Uncle Bobby is very close with many of them. And as Mr. Peroni was instigating violence that led to the murder, Of Oscar, I mean, let's be clear, Peroni jumped on the plane, uh, pardon me, train, snatched Oscar and his friends off the train, went back and retrieved one of Oscar's friends by the name of Michael Greer. Michael Greer had prior injuries to his head unrelated, and they watched as Peroni testified in court him take down Greer without any cause potentially injuring Greer. Oscar and his friends were crying out from the wall that day, leave him alone. Why are you bothering him? So Oscar became a target because he was a willing voice in defense of his friend. So that running knee kick that attorney Riley uh, mentioned a moment ago, that was Peroni's response to Oscar standing up and using his voice in defense of his friend, others of Oscar's friends have have lost their lives, necessarily at the hands of law enforcement, but his friends will be forever affected by having to witness their best friend having his life taken right before their very eyes while they felt defenseless, and so his friends have took time and are still taking time to recover from the murder of their friend. To take it a step further, when his friends came to the court to participate as witnesses to the trial, more than one time, the Alameda County bailiffs and sheriffs removed his friends from the courtroom. They came under immediate harassment from law enforcement. They would find excuses to remove them, such as, Your cell phone is in your hand. You have to leave. We saw you talking in the back row in the audience. You have to leave. And it's literally his friends had to fight to even participate in the court hearing. They were made to endure, as we all witnessed, untold atrocity. We saw it on video. They saw it live. And I'm very thankful to Allah to get acquainted with some of them and to offer whatever comfort we can to help them to to survive after witnessing such a murder. They're grown men now. They were grown then, but they're growing now as parents and husbands. We wish them well. We keep prayers for them. And if they should be listening, we love them. And whatever we can do to help them overcome the pain of yesterday, that they might survive today, that's why we're here as a loving community for them,
4: thank you see, uh Johnson, are you are you um back with i mean are you unmuted
7: she she could very well be emotionally wrought mm-hmm. because right of, yeah uh it has happened at other times on phone calls i, I want mm-hmm. to make one point um is uh, that we want the BART board to agree to release all of the documents. The myers navy report belongs to BART. myers Navy uh, was hired by BART to do the report. So uh, myers Navy will uh, claim that their client has to release the report. The public needs to know that the report If we don't get the report, that uh, it's because the Bart Board has not released it to us. We want all the underlying
6: documents. The underlying documents. All the underlying
7: documents. That's the entire report. The report is not complete without the underlying documents. So uh, we need all of those things, and we need everything that's left out um, from the Bart Board, Bart itself.
4: Right. So should um, – I know, um, uh, Sister Elaine, you said people should call the DA's office at 510-272-6222 um, and leave a message if they don't get a live person about um, reopening the case and charging um, this officer, Anthony Peroni. And I was wondering, is there a that's phone number for – With
6: felony murder.
4: With felony murder, right. That's uh, that's is there a phone that's number that's for – with um, to get in touch with the BART board with regards to releasing the underlying documents. Uh, this report by Myers um, Navi? N-A-B- Is that how N-A-B- you
6: pronounce it? Myers Navi.
4: Myers Navi. Uh-huh. Is there a phone number that people should call or email address or something?
6: I'm uh, trying to get it uh, now uh you know yes. they can certainly look it up but um see if we can get something to just make the call and drop it, drop something um yes because we need to have people uh do something other than commiserate uh with yes. us and with sister wanda and with the family and all the people who have been traumatized and that is a very big part of everything as you well know but um We also want to take action, and we have an opportunity here that is rare, and we're hoping that we can use this opportunity to uh, create a a roadmap for other people across the country. You know, Brianna Taylor, sleep in her bed. I mean, what more can you do? You've done done nothing in your own bed. So we know that there are horrible cases around the world, but this is all done with uh, the support. And I want to mention, I don't have the phone number, but I want to mention that, the BART police, we're not sure what they do exactly anyway, but most of them are at this time being paid over 200000 a year uh, to murder. Uh, to They certainly didn't protect the young sister that was stabbed to death, and they have murdered Oscar Grant. So it's really questionable as to what the purpose of the BART police uh, might be. Um, but in any case, if people can look it up and call or email the board of directors of BART and say, look, release the Myers, Release the documents regarding the murder of Oscar Grant by Tony Peroni, P-I-R-O-N-E.
9: The public uh, number for the BART main line is 510-464-6000. It's 510-464-6000. The complaint office number where you can leave a voicemail, which should be filled of our concerns, are 510-464-7134.
4: Okay. Hi. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, If there aren't any more comments, um, I was wondering, Uncle Bobby, if you could maybe um, uh, sort of have the last word here.
5: I, I I can. Uh, just let me verify. Wanda, are you back? Okay. Well, yeah, I know she basically is at work, too. So, um, yes, I um, first, you know, it was the community, again, as I stated earlier, that embraced us, stood with us, cried with us, went back and forth, court with us, but brought for the first time in California state history, uh the success of having an officer arrested, charged, convicted, and sent to jail. We are clear, as this coalition has stated over and over, that it's going to take the community uh, to bring about the possible reopening of this case, and not only just the reopening, but the charges of felony murder on Tony Peroni. Uh, So we as a family ask, and sure, the coalition asks that the community embrace uh, this movement support this movement, make those phone calls. And when we send out, uh, whether it be flyers or announcements about uh, whether it be a press conference or even a speak-out or what have you uh, concerning bringing charges of felony murder on Tony Peroni, that the community be involved. Because it takes a mass movement uh, to really bring about these real systemic And as long as the DA thinks that nobody's paying attention and cares about this case, Again, another black man, my nephew, will be just another uh, black man murdered in this country. Uh, but we are tending. We are. Our intent in closing is to pave the way, as Sister Elaine said, for others to have a roadmap to reopening cases all across this country, where these black folks, these young brothers and sisters, and children that have been murdered by these racist police officers, uh, be charged. And I think it was Elaine that said this, too. Uh, No longer will we sit back and just let you kill our children. You know, we will hunt you down. We will bring you to court, and we will put you in jail for the murder of our children. Uh, And that's a real serious statement that I believe we all are standing and living by today.
4: Right. Thank you. And Uncle Bobby, is there is there a website that people can um can um you know, follow to make sure that they're um you know, up on what's happening, um, with regards to the um uh this this charge of felony murder and um just sort of where we are in, in that process against uh, Tony Peroni. Yes,
5: yeah, so we're updating our website to include all the steps and process that are taking place behind um, this, this charge of Tony Peroni with felony murder on www dot love not blood campaign dot com uh, is there that you will be able to see the update uh, and of course you can also go to the oscar www oscar dot com both websites will have details on how Uh, our community can be involved in what's going on.
4: Okay, great. Excellent. Um, Any other comments? Well, I want to thank all of you.
5: Yeah, I want to thank you, too, for giving us the time to speak to your listeners to share what's going on with the case of Oscar Grant. Uh you know, I'm just saying thank you for giving us this opportunity.
4: Oh, you're you're quite welcome and definitely we can have you on again to give us updates and um you know want to let people know again that the DA's office number is five ten two seven two six two 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 and the uh the BART numbers are um five ten six excuse me, and uh the complaint line is five one oh four six four seven one three four. And uh yeah, we need to um leave lots of messages and until there are no there's no more space <laughs> to um to request those um uh those underlying reports from Myers Navy, um, the attorneys Na- for nave. the BART. Nave, sorry. <laughs> nave as well as to um to ask the um, Nancy O'Malley um, District Attorney's Office to um, to charge um, this officer Peroni with felony murder. Yeah. So again, once again, thank you so much. And um, I didn't get the last the name of the the uh, brother who spoke um, from the nation of Islam. Could you tell us your name again, please?
9: Abdul Sabor Muhammad.
4: Abdul Sabor Muhammad. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Great. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And, um, I don't want to keep you from your busy days, but, um, yeah, it's been really great to be enlightened about what's happening around this case. Because as I mentioned, I had not known about, um, Anthony Peroni's role in all of this, you know, as the instigator, and you know that um, that report, you know, we charge genocide is still still pertinent, and uh, and this certainly, you know, as you know, my work is, you know, just sort of what we talk about when we talk about the maafa, you know, the reoccurring disaster, you know, of killing black people, killing people of African descent, and we do, as as Sister Elaine said, we need to stop watching and and stop it. So this is an opportunity for everyone who is listening and those who aren't listening who are listening to tell other people that you know this is just you know this is a first step in you know sort of setting a precedent that you are not going to get away with killing black people. You know these people that are funded by our tax dollars. They are our employees and they are killing us. So you all take good care. Peace and blessings.
7: Thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You're
4: welcome. Bye. Bye. So we are going to end with another Mama C, and then we're going to start um, the uh, <laughs> uh, the second part of the program, which is a rebroadcast of, an interview with Robert Moses, Sidra Bell and Baba Tunji Johnson, um, who um are a part of the Silicon Valley Dance Festival this weekend online December nineteenth and twentieth. It was a really, really wonderful conversation. You're gonna really enjoy it. Um play uh we played uh Hug a Thug, the Malcolm X Factor, and we are going to um to play this uh Mama see that panther spirit is alive and well in East Africa. That panther spirit is alive and well right here at Wanda's picks.
1: Come together now. Come together now. Africans African. of the diaspora African on the continent I say Come together now Come together now They sing and rap And I feel myself caught up in the beat All goose pimply and possessed And they are pumping their hands in the air A sea of bobbing heads Bouncing to the beat. And I'm unself consciously bobbing right there with them. I close my eyes and was transported in time to the 60s. I see us in dashikis and bell bottom pants, carved wooden fists on gold chains around our necks. I feel the wooden floor sway and shiver as a hundred feet respond to James Brown's shouts of uh, uh say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud and then an unbridled well bursts through my consciousness tugging me back to the here and to the now I shake my head and Flow into the night of that hip-hop beat. I look around me and see no bright bordered dashikis but the red and black robes of the Messiah. I see beadwork and conga cloth wrapped round the necks and shoulders of young black men and young black women. I see beaded braids and locks and shaven heads and hats embroidered with cowrie shells and paint. I hear shouts of pride in Kisukuma, Kiswahili, Kichaga, Kimeru, Kingerleza and even French. It feels like a like a church meeting, y'all. A blues hall, a Panther P.E. meeting wrapped all in one. And I suddenly feel like I'm gonna cry, or grin, or do both with the absolute wonder of it all. I squeeze Pete's shoulder hard as our emotions meet in complete agreement. We thrust our chins out in the defiant stance of bygone days and I can tell he is thinking the same thing that implodes my mind. That panther spirit ain't dead, no way. It just moved around the corner, crossed the ocean, and is still well and very much alive right here in an East African village.
2: para, para oh
4: Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity Eshu Legba. A deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. So we just just pause, take a moment, take a deep breath, and as we exhale, exhale, sort of think about how we can exercise our options. So we are really excited today to speak to uh, a few choreographers and presenters at the current. Silicon Valley Dance Festival which is opening next week, December nineteenth and twentieth, and then it's going to be um having an on demand um presentation through January third. So I believe just from the area codes <laughs> that uh Baba <laughs> Tunde, Tunde uh Johnson is in uh the studio perhaps? Or is it yes, Robert? Yes, yes. Ah, Baba Tunde. Tunji, sorry. I'm looking yeah. at it and pronouncing it wrong. Cool, cool. Yeah. When, I, when I see Baba Tunji, I think about all the drummers I know with that name. <laughs> like Ola, Baba, Baba Tunji. Yes, yes.
2: Oh, yeah,
4: totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I believe we also have uh, Sidra Bell. Oh, and there's Robert Moses. Uh, oh, are you with us? Oh, yes. oh, good, yeah. thank you. Just love all of those pieces that you have images of on your website, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could have been in the audience for that and that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I love the titles of your works, too. It's like, oh, just really, really beautiful titles. And uh, Robert Moses, good morning. How are you?
10: Hey, how are you doing?
4: I'm hey, fine. I'm thinking, it's man, this, is it too early for you all, or, or is it okay? Uh, it's too early for everybody.
10: <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, so doing? How are you doing, so doing, It's too early for everybody. Doing good, doing, but we're good. here Isn't because be want to call.
4: Yes, yes. yes. Oh, you're so kind. So I was just wondering, um, yeah, it's a little bit too early for me, too, um, today. Uh, <laughs> last week's classes, uh, yeah, doing a lot of catching up, mm-hmm. reading papers. Um, I was wondering if maybe we could do like a check-in, and since you all, you know, you all are like... In your body, people, you know, like you sort of stay in touch with that somatic aspect of yourselves. Um, maybe we could do like a check-in and uh, and maybe invite the audience to uh, to participate mm. as as sort of become present for each other in in this moment that we're we're sharing. So whoever wants to go first can start with the check-in and ah, some kind of practice that you do, you know, as choreographers and dancers that we could participate in um, as audience. I can start.
11: Um, I'm I'm really interested in the heart space, and so I've been Mm -hmm. doing a lot of work um, with uh, using my own sense of um, connectivity to my skin and breath to just find stillness at the beginning of my practice every day. So I encourage everyone to just find a few minutes um, to just stand and to breathe through the heart space and to put your hands on your heart and just close your eyes for a few moments And helping me in this time.
10: Hello? are you there? Yep. <laughs> I think we're disconnected. Huh?
4: Yeah, we're
10: here. Oh, okay. just <laughs> our,
4: just oh our, I just. Disconnected. You are. Oh, I
10: don't. I'm sorry. I didn't know we were actually, we were actually in practice. <laughs> I messed it up. I told you guys it was. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it up. Sorry, my phone <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally up. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally. so sorry. But, if I take a breath, and, like, oh, my God. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to back out. <laughs> <laughs>
11: Yeah, I think just a few moments of that helps me every every day during this time of isolation, so someone
12: else can go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So yes, much. for me. Yes, thank you. Um uh, I actually I'm gonna add that to what I do every morning. <laughs> Because every morning I I wake up and I I don't want to do things, and I know that I need to and should do things and have a responsibility to do things, but it's very easy to just fall into the comfort of chill um, instead of the fight of progress. And so I usually um, will do a quake in my body, shaking out, and moving different parts of my body, leading from the ground all the way up to the top of my head. Um, and so I can guide people through that, but I definitely am going to, before I quake now, Sidra, I'm going to add in the heart space um, because that was calming for my mind in a different way. Um, but, yeah, so I usually be standing, and I'll start with my feet stepping side to side, And every time when I stand on my left leg, I'll shake out my right leg. When I stand on my right leg, I'll shake out my left leg. I'll just toss back and forth, back and forth, stepping between the two legs, planting both the feet, and just shaking the knees in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Quickly, but really, really relaxed and light, like a rag doll. Then I'll plie or bend my knees. And I'll just shake my hips side to side, side to side, side to side. And then I'll let that go up into my stomach. And I'll push my stomach out and in, out and in, out and in, out and in. in. Bringing it up to my chest, shaking it side to side, side to side, side to side. And notice while I'm shaking my chest that my arms, if they're relaxed, do the shake themselves just because they're connected and then I'll shake my head out. And I usually repeat that several different times. It helps me to definitely bring heat, which in my mind brings light. Um, and it makes, it takes me from the state of stasis, um, or, or cold, especially right now, uh, and And brings me I guess you'd say more alive, and that's it. you can take it away, Robert. What would you do to get yourself oh. ready?
10: Oh you know i actually I'm sitting as you guys are going through these um uh your practices there, I'm saying now what do I, what do I do i think my <laughs> practice is my practice is really attached to, I mean, if you're talking about the dance things, really attached to being in the room with other people and sort of mm-hmm. uh, dealing with them in the, in the moment. Uh, and other, you know, the, the dance practice, other things are, you know, sort of come up in whatever ways they come up. And I think one of the things I'm doing right now is trying to, uh, as you say, be where I am in the moment. And in the moment, it's, the, you know, sort of really refocusing, re uh, honing. The idea of what that is in this reality—that uh, it's not what it was—but the part of yourself that uh, that you need to feed from uh, from the work that we do. I just—I guess I'm try—I just trying to find a way to reinforce that, and that's not necessarily a consistent thing. It's just that you know, it's like you. Feed the part of yourself that needs to be fed And that happens in different ways So I couldn't give you an actual uh, Regular Practice physical thing For this moment uh, Because this moment has been uh, Disturbed Disrupted moved off center But that doesn't mean that uh, You know we aren't finding new ways to Make uh, To Feed that part of yourself that Grows from this was that was that like mm-hmm. way too Californian or I'm not sure that's, <laughs> the, that's the best I could do this morning. Do I go like off I was like, Oh no, it's nineteen sixty eight again. Right. Uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh no, Robert, that was you, you know? That was good. Yeah, um I <laughs> <believe it. laughs> Um, I just had sure. a follow up for you though, Robert. I was just thinking, see the part that needs said. I was just wondering so
10: what's on the plate? Oh, oh, you know I, You know, okay. So it's just remain in the in the sort of uh, uh, place that's not ambiguous but is uh, unknown. I, I'd say discovery, right? So we're all in a place now. Where We're having to uh, uh, do what we do, which is to create, but in ways that are different in different environments with different relationships to each other and mm-hmm. so what's on the plate is discovery and by discovery I, and I, I don't mean like I don't know where I'm going I know where I'm going because I've done this thing before I just don't know what the route is to it and mm-hmm. so uh, every day dis- and I do mean every day right? every day discovery so it's you know it, some of it is some of it's not fun like the technical part of like trying to figure out why doesn't the sound on zoom uh, you know why isn't the sound on zoom behaving the way I want to and you go through and you do all that Stuff and you sort of figure that out And you kind of go oh wow this is a different experience uh, Trying to communicate with people This way and then you kind of go wow this is really A lopped
9: off experience
10: trying to communicate With people this way because it's not the same thing And then you kind of go wow this mm-hmm. Different lopped off experience is a new experience So it's its whole, it's it's whole thing You kind of go wow this is a whole thing So it is it's whole new Thing so then what is this thing That I this new thing that I've discovered for Myself and how can I put that to use in way? so that's what's on the plate. Uh, what's on the plate is, uh, is you know, all these new jewels that we're finding that look like cubic zirconia. Right now, it feels like cubic zirconia, right? <laughs> and we really want it to be something else, you know. And it and it probably is something else that we're we're trying to figure it out, you know. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the figuring out. I'm sure.
4: Um, you know, given that you all are all artists, you actually sort of have like a palette and, um, you know, tools to be able to sort of try to work that out. And, and you know, perhaps in, in the uh, choreography and in the movement, you help other people figure it out who might not necessarily have facility with the language as you do, but we all have abilities. Because I was just thinking... Uh, some of the movement, like for instance, um, uh, Babatunji. You know, when you were sharing, I'm thinking, oh, you don't have to stand up. You could actually sit down and do what you were sharing. You know,
2: mm-hmm. so um,
4: that's the so there's a way for you know with dance in particular, but other types of arts, you know, uh, performance arts, the audience can actually participate not just intellectually. So um, so it's mm-hmm. really it's a, a reciprocal process. That's that's why I also wanted you to share because we're We're in a auditory um medium right now, but still there's mm. there's a possibility for those that are listening to participate and to be with us so so thanks for coming along you know with me throwing that at you
12: <laughs> mm-hmm. no, thank you that's actually something that i mean I like that I never think about that um uh i we' are so used to the audience participating either in class with us, um, mm-hmm. the audience then being the students, um, or the audience partici- participating in a performance with us by watching and giving us the energy. Um, and I actually I, I, I like and encourage um, and want to encourage, I guess, I would say, more audience participation. And you even just bringing this up in this way makes me think about how can that occur more so in a performance space, especially when we come back because so much of us will be coming from this kind of stagnant um, place where, you know, we're Netflix and chilling. We're not doing that much. Like some people are, and we get ourselves up and we wake ourselves up and get out there and do something. But it's very easy to fall into a chilled state and – Uh, yeah, I don't know, it makes my brain shift around with what are ways to have the audience participate rather than just living vicariously through the dancer. Like, how do we encourage people to break that, you know, it's uncomfortable to move in front of other people, especially if you don't do it as a profession, because you don't want to be judged. Um, And, yeah, find a way to make that a safe place moving forward
4: hmm. Yeah, yeah So I'm going to read uh, your bios now And then we'll talk more about um, the Silicon Valley Dance Festival And what each of you is going to be bringing and doing there And uh, if this mm. is your, your first time uh, as a part of the Silicon Valley Dance Festival or not And I'm going to need your help um, pronouncing certain words when <laughs> we get mm-hmm. to that point uh, uh, Baba Tungi, uh You're going to have to help me <clears throat> Right away because um, Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce a few things So I'm going to start with it's you all good. To Get that out of the way Okay <laughs> You were born in Portland, Oregon But you were raised on the big island of Hawaii And I don't know if you're mm-hmm. calling us Are you calling in from Hawaii? Because it's warm there I think all the time, right? No,
12: all right Yes I I wish I was calling in from there, but um, no, I'm calling in from uh, Seattle, Washington, actually.
4: Okay, yeah. How Mm -hmm. is it there? Is it
12: warm? No, no, it's cold here. It's extremely... It's not... Okay, correction. I lived in Denver, so it's not extremely cold here, um, but it's cold enough. It's going to snow in a couple of days, um, but I... I'm very blessed to have a very large downstairs space, and so I keep the heat in here by dance. I dance every day. Um, mm-hmm. It's my meditation. And so uh, in this little world that I've created down here, it's getting warm.
4: Mm. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I really um, I just feel so fortunate that I have central heating. Um mm. yeah. Yeah, I can just turn it up and blast it whenever I want. I'm just like, oh, this is such a blessing, um, considering so many people that don't have such, right, people that are underhoused and unhoused. Like, oh, my goodness,
2: mm-hmm. it's so chilly.
4: Even mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, which is where I am. Um, you received your formal dan- former formal dance training from Center Stage Dance Studio and the University of Hawaii in uh, Hilo before moving to San Francisco to train at the Lines Ballet Training Program on full scholarship, uh, mm-hmm. Baba Tunji has performed works by diverse choreographers such as Sidra Bell. Oh, cool! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Miller, Gregory Dawson. Love Gregory Dawson. Oh my God! Um, and 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 Maria Kerr. Is that how you pronounce Maria. her first? Maria Kerr, Close. yeah, I know her yeah, words. Yeah,
3: exactly.
4: Wow. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you have performed, uh, Babatunji, uh, overseas in Japan and China and danced with the company that is actually producing Silicon Valley Dance Festival. And how do you pronounce
12: it? Yes. Yeah. Zero.
4: Zero. And what about the first part? Mm-hmm. Filin? Filin? Filane, Filane. Felane, Felane Zero, thank you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, Mario no. Okay. Mario Kerr's Tiny Pistol. were uh, in. Uh Dawson Wallace's dance project. uh opportunity joined Lions Ballet in two thousand thirteen and danced with the company for six years. Oh, that's why your name is so familiar. I've seen it in programs.
2: <laughs> <That's> I've <it. laughs> oh,
4: seen you a lot of times. Okay, because I, I was looking for a photograph, and I, and I didn't see one yet. Um, oh, I know your mm-hmm. work. You're phenomenal. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> currently, you. you are a dancer, but I've never spoken to you, but I really admired you <laughs> from the audience. Thank
12: you. Um, no, I you appreciate welcome. that.
4: Currently, you are a dancer with Post Ballet, And SF Dance Works in San Francisco. So, again, welcome Mm -hmm. so much. Welcome to the show and thank you so much. Um, Sidra Bell Dance New York is rapidly gaining an international profile for work that reveals aspects of the human condition through a distinctly female lens. The company has performed extensively throughout the USA, Europe, Canada, and South America. Um, Bell's process is intuitive collaborative, and emphasizes the integration of multiple design elements and languages. Her work combines design, media, and fashion, creating a singular vision in contemporary dance. And I have a longer bio for you that says that. Um, I'm not going to read all of it, but it's, it's nice, and it's different and it adds a little more perspective to your work um, for our audience. You're currently a master lecturer at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, an adjunct professor at Ball State University in Indiana, and you were artist-in-residence at Harvard University. You were an adjunct professor at Georgian uh, Court University and were adjunct professor at Barnard College in New York City. You have a BA in history from Yale University and an MFA in choreography from Purchase College Conservatory of Dance. You were a University of Minnesota Theater Arts and Dance Callist, visiting mm-hmm. artist. Is that how you pronounce that? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. And an artist in residence at Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle. Oh, wow. You all are like really um, sort of playing off each other. So, Sidra, your body of work was featured Mm -hmm. in the Harvard University Theater Dance and Media course Contemporary Repertory Dance Authorship in the 21st Century, a dance technique and choreographic repertory class that will will focus on contemporary traditions and the repertory of three choreographers engaging in the current discourse of contemporary dance. That's in brackets, everyone. Um Belle was the 2019 mm-hmm. honoree at CPR Center Performance Research Research Gala in New York City. Um you won lots of awards, um lots and lots and um and what I was sort of looking at, that you received many commissions from institutions and companies internationally and created over 100 new works notably for Body Traffic, Ailey II, the Juilliard School, Harvard University, Boston Conservatory, River North Dance Chicago, New York Tisch School of the Arts, Sacramento Ballet, Ballet Austin, Alonzo King's Lines Ballet School, um, wow! I mean, you have—you're really busy. Um, <laughs> and, and Robert
2: Moses as well. And
4: Robert Moses. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So why, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, you, it, and you all. You world. all know each other. <laughs> <You>
2: do,
4: yeah. <laughs> I mean, like family. It's a small world. Oh, totally. That's great. You have to talk about that small world and 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 sort of what's what's the entree into the small world. <laughs> That is is dance That is, you know, black bodies moving, right?
2: Um, And
4: then what I was really I was looking at, you know, this this film You know, you were commissioned in 2012 As a choreographer for the feature film Test Set in San Francisco during the height of the AIDS crisis in 1985 And it was Mm -hmm. written and and directed by Chris Mason Johnson um, Frankfurt Ballet, White Oak Project and it was awarded two grand jury prizes from Outfest, and that's um, that's here in, in uh, the Bay Area as well. And yeah. um, and there's some other films, but I was just thinking because uh, World AIDS Day just passed, uh, December first, that I was like, oh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. And then mm-hmm. um, you're a sought-after master teacher, uh, and your alternative pedagogy, contemporary systems, and interior. And material approach was featured in Dance Magazine, um, and you've been in a lot of other magazines. And um, I'm sure I'm sure your bio is on your website, which is really really cool. And as I mentioned earlier, that I really like the names of some of your pieces: um, Wreckage, 2018, uh, Point Park University in Pittsburgh, um, mm-hmm. and the uh, what are some of the other titles? Visceral. Um, that's not the one. Um, there was another one. Let me find it. Uh...
11: Behavioral skin. Oh,
2: yes, uh-huh.
4: yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what comes that. first?
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. So um, uh, and and uh, spherical heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one From too.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, twenty nineteen, and then and then the uh, human heroes. Yeah, I think you already mentioned that. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
4: yeah. What. Mm-hmm. Is titles come from. They are so interesting.
11: Um, well, I love poetic language. Um, I was, you know, very immersed in writing throughout my whole uh, journey as an artist, and um, in my practice, I grew up in New York City, and I um, went to Alvin Alley and Dance Theater of Harlem, but I also had a pretty rigorous um, kind of education in writing and history, Um from elementary school really through college, and so I've always been really interested in the intersection of language and movement um, and how to sort of communicate out, share out to larger audiences through language and how can um, program information really guide um, an experience. So when you come into a show or you're entering an immersive world, you have all these sort of, Um, things to grab onto from the program to the set design to the costuming and so it's really um, for me it's a practice of diaries, journal writing um, thinking about how uh, the language is built through improvisational systems and how that can be shared out with audience Um, so titling is super important to me and um, I also love to build abstractions around works and I work a lot with film and Media um, and photography. So it's all part of how the dance gets communicated. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: mm-hmm.
11: Thank you for saying that you like the titling. That's really important to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. And, and your photographers, you know, our photographers, they do a really good job in capturing, you know, the words yeah. like, for instance, Ailey too, you know, Valis 2008. I mean, that is a mm-hmm. really beautiful image. And I was just thinking about. Alvin Ailey, you know, having its season during the month of December, you know, opening last week with you know sort of the 60th anniversary of Revelations. Yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. 60th anniversary, like whoa, yeah, yeah <laughs> amazing. amazing. Yeah, so
11: yeah, no, it's, um, the, Alvin Ailey was a, um, just being at the the school was a very um influential time for me as a young artist and so I continue to be inspired by what they do and um, creating vaults in 2008 was just one of the highlights of my career um, mm-hmm. and yeah that photographer Edward Catino did a really beautiful job of cap- capturing the exuberance of that piece um, and I, I work with a lot of really incredible photographers some really young emerging um, I like to sort of tap into um, designers that are just kind of coming up um, it's exciting to work with you know younger designers that um, have a unique eye or perspective um, mm-hmm.
4: outside of traditional dance photography. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And when you mention notebooks, I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> Robert Moses. <Moulter. laughs> <laughs> oh, you are you are the consummate you know choreographer, writer. I mean. I mean, you're just like phenomenal, Robert. I mean, i I think you're, I think you wanted, were one of the first uh, choreographers that I've ever saw choreographed to to words. Like your dancers are dancing to language. I mean, and there's a rhythm in the language, but I had never seen anyone like intentionally. That's what it is. It's like not set to music. It's not singing. It's words. And I I don't remember the name of the piece, but it was that the San Francisco um Jewish
10: um uh community center?
4: Yeah community <clears> center the one right, up on right. the yeah
10: yeah, yeah. The new it, was pro- it, was probably, it was probably Baldwin. Uh yeah it was yeah, Baldwin. Yeah I did a piece yeah I did a piece to uh a conversation between Lorraine Hansberry, uh James Baldwin, um uh, Langston Hughes and Alfred uh um uh, sort of an interview, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that one. It's a nice one, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah.
4: um, and youth speaks was in like you had the young people doing poetry. Oh yeah, um, yeah it was.
10: Yeah, that was a minute awesome. ago. Oh my God, that was a minute ago. Yeah. yeah. But,
4: I, I yeah, love I mean, your uh, work, yeah, <laughs> 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 and, and it makes if, an well, impression. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: well thank you.
10: The um, I think when. If you're talking, Sandra was just talking about the uh, importance of language. Uh, I think that is very important that we all figure out how to shape it. And I don't, I don't know if uh, Sandra and I would necessarily agree. It might be a great conversation to have, and maybe I can invite her on to our uh, – we have something called the Concept Jam uh, that we have where we talk about uh, things like this. But the um, this thing of abstraction and language and shaping and understanding and forcing uh, perspective, is all really sort of very interesting uh to me and it would be interesting to have a real uh, conversation around uh, how that works you know, and, you know and when you when you redefine uh existing language or you reframe it in existing language, does it kind of obliterate what was there before, or do you really force people into a another space in terms of having to hear something which it might be Interesting in that we're, you know, part of the reason we're here is to talk about the Silicon Valley uh, dance festival thing because we are, we have been forced into another uh, framework. But at, at any rate, Sidra, it might be really fun to just sit down and talk about that at some point. Yeah. The, yeah, it like it might be fun. And all because Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you have to let That's us know, um, sort of, when when do, when, are, when do you have the concept jam, um, uh, Robert? Like, I, how do how do we find yeah, we'll, out
10: we'll, about that? Uh, yeah. We have about once a month. We usually invite uh, oh. three to four people, and we have a we just basically sit around and we have a conversation around whatever comes up in the conversation, and then people mm-hmm. can drop in comments and the. In the uh, chat function, or actually say something if they want to. But that's, I mean, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what that is. So love okay. to invite Barbara Toonjay, too. Yeah, you guys will come. It's oh, gonna be there. a lot of fun. <laughs> to come through. Uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds really great. So I will definitely um, make sure you drop me a line or something so I can be in the oh, house. You got it. yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And then another one of your pieces that I really um that sort of I don't know why it's coming to maybe maybe because um uh, <clears throat> maybe because uh Sidra is in New York, but your your piece with faith Ringo's um quilt.
10: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, the quilt. Yeah, the quilt was you know, what's you know what's really interesting is you're talking about the way things uh the way folks are connected, right? And it's weird that I think even in this moment we're a little uh, we're a little more uh, connected than we think we might be, and and either you know either in our appreciation of what people are able to achieve in this moment, uh, so like uh, I know Bob Dujonji is just busy all the time. It's good to see that and to see your brother out there doing this thing. But then it's also it's Thank you know it's good that uh, I'm really happy to see that Sidra's getting some recognition, some opportunities, in some areas that uh, hitherto for have, <laughs> have not been uh, as accessible. So congratulations on that, on the work with the uh, the ballet there. And I say that because you, it, it, absolutely, and I say that because you bring up uh, the Faith Ringel thing, and I only I met her briefly, really briefly in the making of that thing. Uh, but I often look back on that and think fondly about that because uh, most of the people in that project I'm still uh, associated with in some way are friends with, you know, you know Laura, of course Laura Ellis, and uh, 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 oh now I'm going to forget, I'm going to forget some names, but uh, solo, she's a solo. So oh, well,
4: Robert was in it, it.
10: Well, yeah, well Robert was in it, but no, no. But the thing I did was I did it. I did the thing with the. Uh, it was supposed to be a representation of the uh, slavehold and uh, the moment, sort of climbing out of, climbing out of the slavehold, So it was sort of a, a frozen moment. It took about twenty minutes mm-hmm. to unfold. Uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to sort of just bring it around to your uh, mm-hmm. Nora Chipamari. So Nora, Nora was in that.
4: Oh uh, yes. Yeah.
10: You know Faith Ringgold. It's like we're all if you, that six degrees of. Six degrees of separation thing, which actually has happened on this call right here. It's six degrees of separation. Now we're all kind of uh, connected in in one way or another, even if it's sort of tangentially. So I mean, I think that's that's mm-hmm. a fun, it's a fun thing to recognize and to understand. And I think that kind of thing is really important at some point uh, when the history of whatever moment is being told, that we understand that uh, some of the things that are. Most probably and you know because I bring that up because you know in my work I'm often interested, people call this you know sort of social justice and whatnot, but it's also just the the history, it's the <laughs> the history of our social selves and I don't know if justice has anything to do with this, but the when you think mm-hmm. about the 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 way we're all connected, the way we remember how we're connected, you know, in the four of us sitting here having this conversation. Which you know may, which with the volume of things that are out there right now may or may not sort of float to the top of you. You may wind up on you whatever and get a hundred million uh, hits, and it may sit at the bottom and get ten. You know we don't know how these things necessarily work even with all the algorithms. My point is you know, I'm going off on of one of my favorite <laughs> plans. And My point my point is that the uh, the way in which we remember people and things like Baldwin or Sidra, the you know, we we'll remember these things will be attached to how much uh, how much a part of the web you are and the real histories of things will come out of that, right? So people, sometimes even when you get, um, uh, how do I say this? you get disconnected or or you don't get disconnected, <clears throat> you are disconnected from your own history in a way because your own history is um, planed. Uh, in some way. So you have a million dancers that work for you uh, over some period of time, and you happen to notice, oh, wow, all these dancers are winding up with this company or that company, which is able to pay more or do this, that, or the other, and uh, because they have a higher profile or something, then the history of some of your impulses wind up over there. And you kind of go, wow, that's, that's really an interesting thing. So I think it's important that with something like what Sidra's doing, which is saying, "This is my language; this is who I am," and putting—at least that's how I see it—putting a foot down. And you can tell me I'm wrong, because I'm probably wrong, because I don't know how many conversations, actual conversations, you yeah, had. I respect you, respect your work enough to say, "Come on, do something on my people." And that's like, you know, and you know what you know what that means if you say that. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what kind of disrespect, yeah. right? Uh, so, the, so the your the putting down of your foot in that way is a really interesting and particular thing, particularly for, uh, I'm going to use words like this because I don't have another way to sort of put it, for a segment of, of, of folks who have not uh, been regarded in the way that they should be regarded because of the quality of their work is important. And so having these kinds of conversations between the folks you have these conversations with, I think it's really important to get to the place. I mean, history is important. I think it's important to get to the place mm. to talk about how the history is understood, right? And the, one of my questions is, how do you want to be known, right? How is it, you know? because people talk about you; they talk about your work. And, like, but the question is, how? Like, I would say, to, I would ask both. And I know, so this is your your thing, Wanda. But I'm just going to jump off because this is who I am. But my question, my question to uh, uh and Baba Dunji would be like, how is it that you want? Uh, your work to be known, you know, and that, and without, and that doesn't mean that's a different question than like what's it about? Because Bob is making work too, right? That amazing mm-hmm. dancers out there making work. So the question is like, for me, it's like, how do you want your work to be known? Which is different than your, our, yeah, which is different than what it's about, or how do you want to? this like mm-hmm. there's like we wrap all of those questions up in the same thing, and I'm just sort of wondering that. So sorry, that's me going off on the spiel, but listening to you guys talk raise up
2: questions. hmm
11: mm-hmm. No, that's that's
2: yeah, beautiful. I
10: always
11: wanted to
2: be you wanna just, get it,
11: Susan? Yeah, yeah, I was I think um I've always felt a little bit like an outlier and so I always growing up I just kept dreaming <laughs> of being in dance somehow. I didn't know how. Um, I knew it wasn't necessarily going to be um as a performer. Um it just wasn't in my nature to be out front in that way, so um, in the beginning, I just really wanted to be in the community of, of making, and um, I wanted to work with collaborative teams, and you know, I think my history, I think, really is rooted in my upbringing and um, being around artists of all kinds, from jazz to visual, within my family structure, and When I thought about, you know, making work, and in the beginning it really was more about being in community with people, and um, at some point I realized that in order to sustain that community, I had to step out front and kind of put a sort of stamp on it and, you know, um, speak out loud, speak what I wanted into fruition, and so that was a huge shift for me because I am so introverted, I would say. Um, but everything I do is because I want to do it for the team um, that I'm a part of. And um, I guess I never really wanted to be known <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm, I, always wanted mm-hmm. to be, I always wanted to be inside of the work. Um, but I understood at one point that I needed to really step out front to make that happen and to create a sustainable structure for other people and to, um, you know, to speak um, and to articulate uh, the importance of the work. Um, but the work for me is the community. Um, and so, yeah, that's been sort of, a, I think, a tension for me, um, because sometimes that leaves me on an island, <laughs> because I've never really fully articulated, you know, what my work is about. Um, and so sometimes that does leave me outside of, you know, specific funding circles or presentation circles, but, I think been being really strong and just keep my foot my feet walking forward, I've you know, landed on on opportunities just by being consistent um in the research and the experimentation inside of my practice,
12: and by being okay with you just being yourself
11: yeah yeah that's that's been a journey especially you know as a as a woman um you know, just to be okay, just to be in, inside of my skin is really the journey. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
12: Yeah, I um, I. Uh, I think what I want to be known for, what I want my work to be known for, or the imprint that I'd want it to leave on the world of those who observe and witness um, I I I got into dancing for shallow reasons like I just wanted to be cool and, and popular and accepted and not be a loser um, as a kid and, um, and that was the driving factor um, but it, after I did my first performance at a talent show Me and my friends had gotten together And we had learned how to crump and pop um, uh, Which are two styles of hip-hop um, we, we, we learned all this stuff off of YouTube And then we were like, alright, let's, let's show it to everybody Like, this will be cool um, And when the show finished um, everyone was so ecstatic um, and the, amount, the outpour of energy that they were giving to us was so overwhelming that it kind of like short-circuited my system and I wasn't able to register that like, oh, yeah, I'm cool now. Like, yeah, they see me. I'm awesome. Like that left me and I just saw that I did something and it made people open up and really be available to be happy in a moment or joyous in a moment, and that's kind of been what stuck with me. Um, and that, as I dance, and now as I start to create, I I want to, I want my work to be something that will, I mean the ideal is to make everyone happy, um, and not like, like I do this for you and service for you just to make you happy. But like, I, I, I want the world to be a better place. And so I think what I want to do is, and being happy is one way to be better, but I think ultimately it's opening. I want to somehow be a conduit to make people available, um, more or uh, help expand people to be available for more and uh, um, growth in, in in any way because I think all growth, even the the painful growth, can lead to a deep joy if we um, if we really follow it and if we stay stay open um, and that could just be the joy of understanding that. We, like you don't have control over everything, and that that's okay. Like it can still be a beautiful place even if it's not the way that you want it to be. It may be an opening to the way things really are and the acceptance of the way things are and understanding the way in which we can change things, but also the way in which we can't. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would like to, I think I'd like my work to be known as something that that opens people up and makes people available for for more, mm. wow.
4: that's really beautiful,
12: yeah, thank
0: you
4: mm. So Robert, have you answered your own question? <laughs>
2: Where you at, Robert?
12: He's here. <laughs> maybe he's on mute right now.
4: Oh, I thought maybe he was thinking
12: mm.
4: <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I see him in the studio, okay. Well, when we hear his voice again, um, he can respond to his own question. Because, you know, I never I never read his bio. <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 <laughs> so when he comes mm-hmm. back I'll read his bio. Um, but why don't we um while we wait for Robert to um to respond to this really wonderful um question, uh, about what do you want to be known for? Um what are you doing, um, as a part of this, this uh dance festival and um maybe um you could tell our audience about it. Um I've never I've heard of it. Um but I, I this is my first time attending it. It's the third annual but I've never been to it. Hi, can can you guys hear me? Hello? Oh now we can Yeah, yeah. now we can. Okay.
10: I'm so I'm so sorry about that, but it's you're asking about the morning Part of my morning is getting people up and ready for school, even in this environment. So I was listening. <laughs> I was listening. I had, I, had, I had you guys on mute so that I did not, uh, did not cause a ruckus in the middle of the whole thing. So uh, thanks for sharing both uh, um, both you guys and Baba Junji. And uh, don't worry about my bio because people uh, uh, can look that up. That's the easiest thing to find. Uh, so don't sweat at all. My apologies. But uh we got class in uh-huh. twelve minutes and in in the uh what do you call it? In the uh uh remote uh learning world it's harder to educate kids than ever. So I, it's like, you know, multitasking yeah. is what and mm-hmm. as far as as far as answering my own question, um I don't know. I mean I think it it, it you know, the way I hear that question for myself and I, and that's a question that I keep uh you know, how's it how is it that I wanted to be understood and that people sort of take and they Hear it and change it into whatever it is they sort of, however they hear it. I don't know. I think it's I think it goes from uh, from place to place. I think I think this idea of being uh, being an outlier is a it's a really really human a human thing that uh, Sidra uh, has brought up. I think we all felt that, especially if you're assumed to be a part of a group of people uh, simply because of sort of like what you look like or whatever, and you are part of the group, but maybe you're not. You know, sort of align with everything that's there, and then, the uh, Tunji, you're talking about. Uh, you know, you said. I think you said. I think you said some shallow reasons. I don't think. I don't think mm-hmm. that, because everything you said sounded like it was like about belonging, and I don't think belonging yeah. is a shallow reason. Oh, that's also a very very human thing, right? But then what happens is you wind yeah. up. At least in my mind, you wind up developing. You wind up sort of uh, maturing into the the person that you are, which is. Uh, the person that talks about bringing joy into the world, right? So all of those things I think Mm -hmm. are really there, and I think all of that is valid, but I think part of the uh, problem with with the question, as I try to refine the question for myself, is that the question itself is limited to it makes universal something that really isn't uh, universal, because you're talking about moment to moment, or you're talking about work to work, or relationship to relationship, but I would say in general, I don't Want to be understood in any other way than I want to be understood, right? <laughs> Which, um, you know, there's, there's a um, there's a quote from um, uh, what's his name? It's a quote from a book, uh, a, a fictional book about John Brown, and in uh, the the quote is something like goes something like, "I had to I had to begin." And this is what I started saying saluting Sidra for us. Uh, is that you have to begin to write your own history, so people don't put words in in your mouth about who you are. And, and as an artist, that, that I think that's a big thing that happens to artists in general. Is that the world we've gotten? I've written a little something about this in my little one of my little writing Uh That in in the world that we're in right now, and this is one of the things I'd love to talk to Sidra about. Is that people decide what what you are or what your work is, and then that's what it is. Rather well, than you're saying this is what this thing is, even if you don't know what it is in the moment, right? That you're the authority in that, and so then how you want how you want to be understood doesn't suggest necessarily that you have all the answers. But part of the part of the question is that, as you say, uh, we're finding our way forward to something that is meaningful. So hopefully mm-hmm. that hopefully that is. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that is uh, Hopefully that didn't sound like I was trying to avoid the question because I'm not. I'm just saying <laughs> it's, it's, it's important that we know uh, that we remain in control. Someone mentioned control, and I think that's important as well, that we, may, we remain in control of the work, of our stories, of the way people, not what people think, but but the validity with which, people bring their interpretations to the work, right? So, you know, it's valid if I say it. But, right, so this is where, you, where the artist thing turns into weird things. Like, it's valid if I say it's valid. And I think we might, dis- some of us might disagree about that. But if we're talking about my work, then it's valid where I say it's valid. We're talking about Sidra. I would have to bow to Sidra about that or uh, to Baba Tunji or to Wanda, if you're right. Mm-hmm. About that. Was that, was that uh, okay, did that make sense? I and mean, that was pretty long-winded. Yeah.
4: Oh, <laughs> yes, it makes sense. Um, well, Robert, from what I understood, from what you said, that you're going to have to go in about eight minutes to, um, you know, to Yeah, I'm school. actually
10: I'm actually already <laughs> actually already a little late because I got to get. Um,
4: yeah. <laughs> so so um, I want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience what you're going to be bringing to the festival um, uh, this this year this season. And and I wanted to tell you that I really I really love your um site specific works um that people can watch um these events on your website. Um mm-hmm. the one at the uh Palace of Fine Arts is really, really beautiful. I don't remember the name of that one. But I watched a few of them. And and that's mm-hmm. the one with Sovoso, I believe is is singing. Um mm-hmm. as part of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
10: Yeah, I uh Thank you. Yeah, no. But what we're doing, we've done, and since this thing has been happening, this uh, uh, what's it called, uh, COVID, it's been happening. We've done. Uh, <laughs> I'm already trying to put it out of my mind. We've done. Uh, I, don't know, I think we premiered five, uh, five videos, maybe six, and we've got a bunch of other ones sort of in the can. And we're doing the US RMK around the USA thing, uh, so we're trying to do something. Uh, every month to get something sort of new uh, out there. The thing that we're that, that's going to be at, uh, the festival is called road to a new hope. And, uh, given, you know, we're, I guess we're in by a, a few months or a couple of months or whatever to this thing and given where we were and we're all zoomed out and we're burned out and, and everybody's bummed about the social, uh, situation and, uh, Political situation. I tried I just wanted to do something that was like, okay, this is kind of more of a. It's a place. It sounds goofy. <laughs> it sounds goofy, but hope's not a bad thing, and sometimes it mm-hmm. just takes a little bit of time. You got to keep walking, right? So it's you know, I so I sound like Pollyanna, and I'm really not. But I can't take all. I can't take all. all the downs is too much. So everybody, <laughs> this, this road to a new hope. I hope folks check it out on um on, on on the festival. It's uh a uh I think it's hopefully what it is it'll be a little bit of bomb to sort of carry us through. I mean I thought we would have been done with some of the negative negatives, negatives but I can't say the word well, with all the negative energy that's sort of out right now I thought we'd be done with it, but apparently we're still uh still struggling through some of that and uh we will uh continue. Um but we'll get we'll get what we need to get to become better people and a better society. True. Sure. So you're, you're asking me what the piece is. It's a, it, the title is it? It's a road to a new hope. It's just a dance piece, uh, but hopefully, it's got a little bit of tone in it that says um, we are. Uh, you know, we're on our way. No, we're not there, folks, but we're, we'll get there. So, having said that, hmm. thanks for understanding. I got to run. And um, all right. Uh, thanks everybody. Nice talking to you guys. Have yeah, a good one,
4: Robert. You too, Robert. Thank oh, Robert. you.
2: Okay,
0: bye guys. Have a good
4: day at class. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. So, um, so Sidra um, or Baba Tunji, um, either one of you all can can share what you all are bringing to the uh, dance festival next week. I'm oh. to be part of it.
11: Yeah, I um, just I've been in community with. Bay Area for almost 10 years, even though I live in New York. So, this is a treat mm-hmm. to be on a bill with all these artists. Um, I actually had the privilege of making a work during um, the pandemic in the, this past November uh, 2020 with a uh, composer saxophonist, Emmanuel Wilkins, who mm-hmm. recently was listed as number one in the top jazz albums for 2020. He's a, a young composer. Um, this is his debut album, and he commissioned me, actually, last year for a new work entitled Waiting, um, which was inspired by a Claudia Rankin poem, and oh. um, when the okay. pandemic hit, uh, yeah, when the pandemic hit, um, we were supposed to perform it at the National Sawdust here in New York, and um, it was canceled, and so um, I happened to have an opportunity with 92nd Street Y, Um for space and to do a film project and so I asked Emmanuel if he wanted to bring his his band Emmanuel Wilkins Quartet and have my five dancers in a workshop setting and so we created a piece in about 10 days um, and filmed it on November 22nd so you're actually going to see a brand new work an excerpt uh, entitled Waiting Um, and the piece is very exuberant I think it's really different from some of my other works which tend to have a more dystopian vibe to them um, it's a really beautiful interplay of improvisation from the band and the dancers and I think it really speaks to this idea of seeking joy but also waiting for that window um, mm. to come through so it's um, yeah it's really new and I'm, I'm excited to share it with a broader audience it actually had its world premiere last week online through the 92nd so, yeah finished. last week <laughs> so it's That's really cool. new <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, cool. it's a work in progress in some ways. I think we're, we'll continue the work in the future and hopefully perform it for an audience. But it was really nice to do it as a film project.
4: Hmm. Mm. Oh, nice. So, can can we watch um, the, um, the 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 whole thing? Um, like, is it is it some is it living somewhere?
11: It's not living anywhere. No, it was on demand for a few days. But um,
4: I think because we're
11: thinking about continuing the work, we wanted to just have an exclusive showing mm-hmm. of it and then go back into workshop mode in the spring hopefully um, present it in the future. It was actually initially commissioned by the Dab yeah, Gallery through a manual, so there's a feature mm-hmm. for um, for the piece. And mm-hmm. um, it's nice to have the yeah. small we ex- are actually gonna see the end of the piece for the Sulicon
4: festival. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. What's the name of the song? I was going to see if I could find it. I might be able to play it <laughs> um, at the end of our conversation. And Matt uh, his album is called Omega.
11: Omega, okay. It's on Spotify and streaming platforms. Yeah, he's an incredible, I mean, just multi-talented. What, so,
4: graduate.
11: You did,
4: so you did the piece? To the whole album, or to one of the songs on the album?
11: Well, the the no, the album that he received number one for was is Omega, mm-hmm. Omega which is his debut oh, release. Okay. But waiting actually, yes. waiting piece we did is actually not
4: released yet as a an album. Oh, because mm-hmm. I can't find it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Omega. I, <laughs> Omega. So, yeah, I find I found Omega. Yes.
11: Yeah. <laughs> really uh, but waiting, we hmm. um, actually did um, some of the work was actually filmed off-site, so you'll see um, some images in Vermont, and then also at 92nd Street wide, so it was really just made for the film, but I think mm-hmm. when we do the full piece, he'll probably release an album
4: associated with the the, um, the dance performance, so
11: it'll make us a gorgeous album as well.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, well, we'll have to um have both you and, uh, and Emmanuel on my show to talk about the debut of the full piece, where oh, we can I all see that. it. I <laughs> <Would> love that. <laughs> so I'm just asking in advance. <laughs> He's a fan. <yeah.
11: laughs> <laughs> He's an incredible, incredible bright. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Oh, I'm totally because, looking forward to, um, to, to, you know, making uh, his acquaintance, um, you know, musically. Exactly. Wow. It's Nice. Exactly. Oh wow. Yeah, I just like the uh, title Warriors and. Dreamer and Ferguson was like, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
11: yeah so it was really, really a gift yeah. to be able to collaborate with them. And at this time, particularly, I think that's why the piece is so joyous. I think we were just mm-hmm. all so happy to be in space together. We did it socially distanced, you know, with all the COVID mm-hmm. guidelines. But just to yeah. be in space and improvising and creating something in a short time was just a privilege.
4: Mm, mhm. Yeah. And then he's got, you know, one of his pieces on Omega is guarded heart. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. And you're a heart person, right? And, you know, sort of Absolutely. You practice mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're all heart yeah. people obviously, you know, we need our hearts yeah. to be able to move and live, but you know, just sort of represent yeah. our earlier conversation. Yeah.
0: I, I didn't know. Wow. So
11: well. And so it was like, you know, the synchronicity or the kind of we had a very symbiotic yeah process, and mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we kind of speak the same language in
4: different mediums. So. Right, yeah. Uh-huh, cool. Nice, nice. And Babatunji?
12: Um, the piece that I have put in the festival is um, called Seasons Change, and mm-hmm. it was or is a I, it's an improvised performance, an improvised solo that I did, mm-hmm. um, and I think I created the framework for it uh, um, the week prior to the actual performance. I I haven't yet performed my own choreography. I've, I've set works that are choreographed on others, but I have a fear in myself of creating... Uh, choreography and putting it on myself and then performing it. Um, it's something that's been with me since I was very young, and it is the next thing that I need to overcome. Um, but, yeah, every time I usually perform a solo of my own work, it's improvised with different tasks and obstacles to overcome. And So this was actually the longest. I told myself that I'd improvise for... Um, like chop up multiple songs and put them together, and improvise for a longer length of time and try and sustain a higher energy um, and I, I don't know I guess it was you could say um, i I put it together and performed it as a a a a changing from I just left lines of ballet and decided that I wanted to do my own work and, and start maybe a new path or new trajectory uh, in my life and with dance, and so this was kind of uh, that first breath or that first life um, and kind of a shedding of, 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 I guess you would say, my former self and then uh, reawakening or awakening uh, the person who I want to be. And so, um, yeah, there's so many. I I still am trying to unpack all of the emotions that are attached to it. I actually just had a showing for the Lions training program, Um, and I think I have an emotional hold because there's when you do decide, like, okay, I'm going to do this, it took me so long to leave Lions because it was, it's a really awesome company and amazing place, and they've helped to shape me a lot. Um, it, you know, there's just so much. There's like fear, I'm not going to be good enough, or why am I leaving such a good thing, all these things that flow. And so I think that that solo has a very close place in my heart, or tender spot in my heart, because it was, um, it was, that solo was, it, um, it was my decision to change. Um, And yeah, uh, and uh, I'm super stoked that Filaine has brought me on board and allowed me to share it uh, uh, with her because, or with her and the company, because she's actually the first professional um, company that I ever danced with. When I came to um, SF, I, was able to join the um, Lions training program. And I was super green, very, very green. Um, but she took me in. I did an audition for her, and she took me in. And, and we've kind of been connected ever since. Even though I've left the company um, and danced all over with different companies, something always brings me back to working with Falaine, Um she definitely is a mother figure in my life and, and and has been a guiding force for me from the very beginning. And um, you'll actually see me in her piece Renewal. Uh, it was just perfect timing. I was in the bay at the time and she was like, I'm building this COVID bubble where we can all come together and dance. And uh, it was my first time being around other dancers. So it, I think that um, you guys will really enjoy the piece That she's created And I'm excited to continue working with her In the future too
4: Oh that's really awesome That's really awesome Wow it's going to really be wonderful So are, are both of you all Your work um, on the 19th Or both the 19th and the 20th I don't know for sure good, Yeah
11: <laughs> I think the 19th And then On Demand for
4: a while okay. after a okay. you know, oh. whole month,
11: yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah.
10: Yeah, I think I think that my
12: thing will be on the twentieth. I'll be in Philane's renewal on the nineteenth and then uh my thing as uh as a emerging choreographer uh will be on the twentieth. Okay.
4: Awesome, awesome, cool, cool. Have you done anything, um, with um Black Choreographers Festival here and now. Um, have you performed in any of uh, there? Yes. Uh,
12: okay. Greg Dawson. Yeah, yeah. I performed with Greg for the Black Choreographers Festival twice.
4: Twice. What What were the pieces?
12: Oh my gosh, it was so long ago. I don't. I honestly don't remember the name.
4: Oh uh, no problem. No problem. I I'm sure I was there. <laughs> Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah Wow, well it's been really, really lovely um, You know, speaking to both of you um, And and Robert this morning It's been so, so lovely Um, Thank you, thank you both so much And I wanted to know if you have like websites That you can give our audience So they can, you know, stay connected to you Um, RobertMosesKin.org is his website and uh, and you can watch some of these um I, I guess they might be shorter versions of these um events um that we talked about even the one that's um going to be um a part of this festival it's it's also on his website um because i think it mm. it debuted um in June this year untitled elegy um oh actually not untitled elegy um well That's one of the ones I liked. (laughs) I also like Unmarked, which looks like Ocean Beach. But uh, (laughs) um, so yeah, uh, Sidra, I know you. I know you have a website. Why don't you give everybody your website and spell it out for them? Uh,
11: SidraBellDanceNY.org is the website, and um, really have a lot of access to short films and behind the scenes and calendar events and. I also want to invite everyone to take class with me at some point. Um, I do a lot of improvisational, intergenerational workshops and um, you know, thinking, oh, nice. again, about yeah, breath and um, somatic ideas um, in community. I've been doing them virtually, but I also do them twice a year in New York as big laboratory jams. So um, you can learn more about the educational programs there as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to more conversations with you, Wanda, as well.
4: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do this again. This is lovely. <laughs> yeah.
2: And Babatunji,
4: do you have a website where people can uh, connect with you?
12: I I unfortunately don't have a website, and that is what I know I need to create. Um, but you can find me on Instagram, babatunji-johnson, and that's where a lot of my... Uh, little clips or snippets have been posted up. But yeah, definitely as I'm starting to build a body of work, I I will be building a website soon.
4: Okay. Well, um, my daughter, my younger daughter, is a fine arts photographer, and she builds websites and she does photography. So if you need a lead, I can give you one. Whoa. Has a beer.
2: Yes,
0: oh. I'd love that. <laughs>
4: Yeah, she's good. <laughs> she's my
0: daughter, and she's awful good. <laughs>
4: uh. Yeah. Well, if you know the Bay, you know the California College of the Arts, right? CCA. Yeah. Or CCAC back yeah. in the day. Yeah, she, she's an a alum from there. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So I will introduce her to you? Oh, How int- can I find her stuff? Yeah. Oh, well, her website is com. But, um, I will um I'll introduce you all virtually, or oh yeah, I've got your okay. i can just I'll text it to you,
12: <laughs> thank you, thank you,
4: oh, no problem, so um, I guess have we covered everything that you know I mean, I think we did a pretty good we had a very lovely conversation um and I don't wanna keep you all from your from your work, um, but if there's anything that we didn't cover that you know that you want to Share, uh, please feel free to do so.
12: This feels good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, thank you for bringing us all together.
11: Oh,
4: it's a great! This conversation with these two great artists. Um, mm. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, well, I want to thank Mary uh, Carbonera also for facilitating this. I said okay.
11: Mm-hmm.
4: Who are the black artists? <laughs> We cannot talk to them all. <laughs> one, one wasn't available, but three of you all were. And then Robert, you know, he is such, such a centerpiece, right? Like he's such a,
0: a, a
4: core, person in in everything. I mean, he just has such breadth, and he's just developed so much wisdom. But he's like so conversant, you know, in in the work, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. what he does. You know, he's a father, you know, active dad You know, you know, he's just like a real person He's doing a lot yeah. Yeah. He is, he is, yeah, yeah, yeah So it's just really wonderful to have Whenever I can talk to Robert Like one time he was in a coffee shop Between, you know, getting his coffee And, and going to something else And he talked to me for a moment Yeah, but, um, yeah, I really, really appreciate him And I really, you know have loved getting to know you all in Baba Tundi, you know, like for the first time, but not really, you know. <laughs> and <et cetera>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, wow, I am a new I'm a new, as they say, follower. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um checking out your your dance um um classes, gatherings. Yeah. That sounds really cool. fun well, I mean that, yeah, I invite everyone to just
11: come and and take class. It's very um, as I said, you know multimodal, and um, I have a lot mm-hmm. of actors that take it and musicians, and um, I've done a lot in in my community with um, elders mm-hmm. as well, so I just I like to make the space as inclusive as possible, and it really deals with um, just moving the bodies, you know, <laughs> moving what we have. Mm-hmm. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to move it or you lose it, as they
4: say, for real. <laughs> and oh, we were really set, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, I don't need as much food as I used to because I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> push away, push away. <laughs> but then you're like, you're so close to the kitchen all the time. <laughs> yes, I know, yes, it's, have to be it's that easy. <laughs> right right well um again thank you thank you both so much um i um i found uh, a few songs by uh, emmanuel and um from from omega and i was thinking um uh, about warriors i liked the title ty- i mean i liked the title of warriors so i was thinking about playing that one and um I don't know it but it's uh, it's uploading right now so I'm going to play that and um sort of in honor of our conversation <clears throat> wonderful. And, mm. yeah. yeah. And and then there's another another one that I'm sort of um channeling because um Robert had a piece where he had a it was at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts in theater, and he, um, it was a collaboration with, um, with Richard Howell, and I think there might have been another musician, and, and, and Richard Howell is really known for this piece called We Are We Are All Connected, um, and, uh, and, and so I was just thinking about you all together in the show, <laughs> all being connected, and mm-hmm. so, uh um, yeah, so I was going to play that as well, and, um so i'm gonna i'm gonna close out our conversation with um with Emmanuel Wilkins warriors and then ease into the uh we are all connected um so um you can stay on and listen or you know until we can say until next time, which is uh next weekend when I will see your your work Thank you. Uh, so thank, thank you, you. Both. so here's sure so here's warriors you take good care both of you. You as well. Thank you. Yes, you as well. Thank
2: you. Mm-hmm.
4: And, um, and the last piece, Richard Howes, um, We Are All Connected, um, that was live tape live at the One Life Institute.